Here we are with Hervé Van Kaloon, Portfolio Manager of the Mercator International Opportunity Fund for our second installment of the MercatorCast podcast. Hervé uh, has just returned from a trip uh, to Asia, primarily investigating semiconductor companies over there. Uh, but Hervé, I'll let you uh, tell the audience what was the purpose of your trip. Thank you, John. Yes, um, I was uh, traveling around Asia to understand the issues around the semiconductor industry. As we all know, it's becoming uh, a vital industry for any developed economy. It's really the, the new oil, semiconductors. You cannot imagine the world economy without um, semiconductors anymore. And the demand is just increasing exponentially um, as it's no longer demand from PC and smartphones only, but you know the demand is now exploding for coming from uh, artificial intelligence needs and for the uh, autonomous cars uh, from IoT. So um, I wanted to understand who the major players were and uh, what the supply demand is and what are the technology implications. So I was traveling with uh, technology analysts, um, you know, in China, in Korea, in uh, uh, Japan, in Taiwan, uh, and very smart young people who really understand the technology so much better than I, and learned a lot from them with the only caveat that uh, when you talk to a technology analyst, every other word tends to be uh, an acronym. So, you know, you have to learn all the acronyms. Uh, yeah. So that was the purpose of my trip. And how does it look to you, uh, given that China is the largest consumer uh, I believe, of semiconductors, but um, the U.S. has issued a ban on export of advanced semiconductor technology uh, to China. How do, how do you see those two things working out in the future? Yeah, no, that's very interesting. When I was in Shanghai, you know, uh, every company was talking about localization of the production. Uh, the Chinese uh, consume 40% of the world's semiconductors, uh, and yet they produce only 20%. So they, they, they have to import a lot of semiconductors from the world. They actually spend more money importing uh, semiconductors than they do spending on uh, uh, importing oil. So the Chinese have a real issue now that we are uh, banning the uh, exports of the high-end semiconductors, the 14 nanometers and, and, and better. Uh, so they want to catch up, but it's going to be very difficult from a technology point of view. But what they're doing is at least increase the production uh, of semiconductors, uh, the more mature semiconductors that they can actually produce themselves, the 14 nanometers and, and better. So they are uh, building a big factory, for example, SMIC, which is a leading foundry in, in China, is uh, building a big factory in Shenzhen at the present time, but that will take time. It takes two two years to get it operational. Yeah, so localization seems to be the buzzword that we hear around semiconductors these days. And you've just explained a little bit what's going on in China, but what about um, in other parts of the world as a reaction to China? There, I assume there's also localization going on there as well. Yeah, I mean, for obvious geopolitical reasons, everybody wants to be uh, more um, independent uh, from from the Chinese production of uh, you know the, the semiconductors, but also from Taiwan and Korea because these uh, countries are at risk for for obvious reasons. So um, you know, 
Germany is going to have new foundries. I think Intel is going to build a foundry in Germany. Intel is going to build a foundry in Poland and in Israel. TSMC is uh, um, building a foundry in Japan, uh, as well as in Colorado, as we all know. And they're talking to do that in Germany as well. So, so everybody, all the major economies are trying to, to have their own uh, foundries right now. Uh, which you know will lead to to two things: one, an explosion in demand for semi uh, semiconductor production equipment in the first phase, um, and that is coming now. That's why we we spend a lot of time talking to these companies that produce uh, the equipment. Uh, but then, of course, you can imagine in the long run, even though demand is growing fast, there may be a glut of production as everybody is going to be producing. Sure. Well, you mentioned foundries. Um, did you learn anything about the process uh, by which semiconductors are produced? Yes. I mean, it's a very complex process. I mean, first of all, uh, there are a lot of different stages of the production. You have to, you know, produce the uh, uh, silicon cylinders. Then you have to cut it into wafers. Uh, you have to have the lithography machines to, you know, to, to do the lithography of the design of the semiconductor. You have to have masks in order to get the uh, the design go through the mask to to actually print it, and then you have to coat it. You have to put all kinds of layers of chemical products and very thin layers. It's very difficult to make. Uh, we, we're now talking about uh, atomic layer deposition, which is like one atom uh, thick layers. And then you have to do the etching, the testing, the packaging. So the, there are all these stages. And at every stage, there is a very specialized equipment that is needed. And it's so specialized that it has become mostly uh, duopolies um, because only very few companies can uh, produce this. I mean, and, and even in certain cases, like the lithography machines, uh, that's a, a global monopoly owned by the Dutch company ASML. Uh, a huge machineries to, to produce very tiny two nanometer uh, semiconductors. Uh, so it's it's a very complex process. Once you have the equipment, then the process itself is very very difficult, and only TSMC seems to be um, doing it the way that nobody else can do it. And the Chinese are trying to catch up. They're building their own uh, foundries, but the, the process is so complex that they, they're at least ten years behind. Mm. Well, uh, do you think that? Uh, in, in in terms of where to invest that um do you look towards the end result of the uh producers or do you look towards the kind of levi strauss model people providing the technology along the way well i i think that's exactly the right analogy i mean you, you want to uh especially at this stage where there's a huge investment uh boom going on around the world uh, the equipment companies will benefit from that for, for a number of years. Um, from a semiconductor point of view, it's very difficult to understand the dynamics from an investment point of view because it's a very cyclical growth industry. It's capital intensive. So 
the growth uh, is there, the demand you know picks up, then the capacity utilization gets to a level where the companies need to invest again, and they make those long-term uh, investments. And so we are in a cycle right now. We are still in the down cycle uh, because of the inventory cycle. Uh, there, there was too much produced, and, and the inventories have to be absorbed before the semiconductor prices can go up. Now, there are different semiconductors, as you know, there are the memories that is more a commodity, uh, you know, depending on the cost and the volume. Uh, and then you have the logics, which is the brain uh, of the computer, that, that is, um, you know, more the high value added uh, part of the semiconductors. It seems from my trade that the demand for the mature logic semiconductors is still pretty strong, especially coming from China as they're trying to buy as much as they can before uh, they won't, will no longer have access to semiconductors. Uh, the high end is still, um, you know, the, the, the 14 nanometers and better is still kind of in a, in a recession or they're still at the end of that uh, cycle at this point. So yeah, you you mentioned it before, but the the kind of PC and uh, smartphone chips that market is is typically viewed as mature, um, and the growth is believed to come from data centers. Uh, people talk about uh, chips created specifically for AI, and then um, self driving automotive and internet of things wireless communications types just so the audience has a kind of clear idea of the landscape is that is that correct that is, that is totally correct that that's the way to put it uh that's where the demand is like 70 percent of the growth uh, for the uh, semiconductor will come from those three areas artificial intelligence um autonomous cars uh, and iot that's where the growth is going to come from but there's still you know solid demand of course for uh, PCs and for uh, the smartphones, but that that's more like uh, mature now. Gotcha. Um, well, just to finish up, I know you had a uh, interesting observation on uh, Japan from your time there. Uh, would you want to explain that to the audience? Yeah, it's kind of a, a good way to to end our little chat here. Um, that was the end of the trip. We went to Tokyo, and it's fascinating to see how Tokyo uh, still looks like the maybe the the wealthiest country, city in the world. Uh, the the uh, opulence in Tokyo is quite striking, in view of the fact that uh, Japan has been in an economic uh, doldrums like for three decades now, and yet yeah. you go to to Tokyo and it feels uh, more opulent than uh, even New York or London. Uh, it was it was very eye-opening to see how the Japanese economy is doing much better than people think. And uh, as we're talking about semiconductor uh, production equipment, uh, we all know the Japanese are very good at uh, you know this kind of uh, technology. Uh, so. I'm more and more looking at Japanese companies that are benefiting from uh, this uh, investment cycle in the semiconductor industry and an economy that has done much more, much better than uh, its stock market's performance would uh, let you to believe. So would you say that just to generalize, Japan has a particularly valuable skill set? 
Yes, I think that's the way to put it. Um, I think that, you know, they have the, the steadiness, the long-term view that uh, is required, and then also the skill sets uh, to, to produce those machineries. Um, but also think about the batteries. Uh, you know, Panasonic is uh, yeah. making all the batteries for Tesla. Uh, think about the electric car uh, motors. There's a company called Nidec that is the world's largest producer for uh, motors for electric cars. So, so it's kind of the economy uh, that Japan will benefit from. Yeah, I mean, just uh, I think it's interesting, you know, when you look at even U.S. consumer goods, there, there's kind of um, just uh, in, in my view, like three categories. There's Japanese, there's Korean and there's Chinese and uh, companies like Sony, you know, have always, at least for me, uh, maintained their position atop the quality ladder, even though uh insurgents like samsung you know are starting to to equal uh their manufacturing ability but but it's uh, it's a long term as you said a long-term play and uh japan has, has certainly been at the top for as long as i've been alive yeah i'm but, but you know the consumer electronics they've kind of uh, let uh, korea take over in general i think mm. uh, we're talking about more the very precise technology, you know, the equipment business uh, where I think they excel. Higher uh, margin. And high, high margin business indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Herve, I think we'll uh, leave it there and um, be back in uh, a week or two when hopefully I'm over this cold and can talk normally again. And uh, we'll look forward to speaking with you then. Yeah, get well, John. Take mm -hmm. care. All right, thank you. The information provided in this video is educational and limited to the dissemination of general information. Nothing contained in this presentation constitutes specific investment advice, tax or accounting advice, legal, insurance, or regulatory advice, or an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security and or engage in any financial transactions. Past performance of any security or investment is not indicative of future results. This material is not intended to be a recommendation or investment advice, does not constitute a solicitation to buy, sell, or hold a security or an investment strategy, and is not provided in a fiduciary capacity. The information provided does not take into account the specific objectives or circumstances of any particular investor or suggest any specific course of action. Investment decisions should be made based on an investor's objectives and circumstances and in consultation with his or her financial professionals.